Matthew 28, verse 19 and 20. By the way, these are the last words of Jesus before he got in the elevator and went back up to heaven. These are his last words on the planet. Last words here on earth. He has lived for 33 years. He has, he has died and rose again. And he's going back to heaven. He's going back to the Father. And he, before he... He goes up, he gives his guys, his, his disciples, one last charge. This is Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20. It says, therefore, he's speaking to his guys. He says, therefore, go. Everybody say, go. go. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always, even to the end of this age. Jesus is speaking to his guys, his crew, his people. Uh, just a quick recap, uh, synopsis, so, so to speak. Jesus came into Jerusalem, the holy city. Uh, he was sold out by his friend Judas Iscariot. He was, he was uh, flogged. They beat him and they took him to a place called Golgotha where Jesus would die for the sins of the world, both past, present, and future. Anybody thankful that Jesus paid the price? sins. And so Jesus dies for the sins of the world. And the Bible says that he goes to the grave, but anybody thankful that he didn't stay there? Anybody believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ? And that's why we celebrate Easter, that Jesus did not only die for our sins, but he rose from the grave. And when he gets up out of the grave, he spends 40 days with his guys, kind of letting them know, this is the aftermath of my life, death, and resurrection. This is what this implies. This is what it means. This is, this is how we shall live now. And he looks at his guys and he says, I, I want you to go and I want you to make disciples. And just a heads up, a disciple by definition. So we have a working definition. A disciple is a wholehearted, committed follower of Jesus, of the teachings and the teacher. So in other words, Jesus said, go and make disciples. He did not say, go and make a bunch of fans. He said, make a bunch of followers. Anybody here tonight, you want to be a follower of Jesus, not just a fan of Jesus. Come on, anybody want to be a follower of Jesus, not just a fan of Jesus? By the way, Zoe Church, we are not here to create a bunch of fans of church or fans of our worship team or fans of Blair dance moves and definitely not of John's dance moves. We are here to make followers of Jesus. Somebody say amen. amen. Jesus said, go and make followers, make disciples, wholehearted, committed followers of the teachings and the teacher, Jesus Christ. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the back parking lot in a little kiddie pool, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And he said, just, just a heads up, I will be with you even to the end of this age. I don't know about you, but anybody encouraged tonight that Jesus is not just taking care of Guatemala and Africa. He's not just helping North Korea, but anybody thankful today that he's right by your side, helping you in your situation and what you're facing. He said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Is this encouraging anybody else? So he gives them this, this great commission. These are his, his last words are first concern. You remember growing up, we used to get a letter in school. You know, someone writes you a note, like a love note in school. And it's like whenever I used to open up, remember the cool folding? And you used to open up the letter, you know, and you get to it. I never cared about the intro. Who cares about the intro? I don't want to, hey, how are you? What's good? Do you like the weather? Forget that. I want the very end of that letter. Tell me how much you love me, Sugarfoot. You know what I'm saying? The very end of this. This is the last words that Jesus spoke before he goes to heaven with great Wi-Fi, air conditioning, and direct TV. 
This is his last words. He says, go therefore and make disciples, followers, whole heart committed followers. Baptize them and teach them. And he said, I'm with you even to the end of this age. I want to preach a message tonight. If you're taking notes, which I hope that you are, you can write down the title. It's called Take a Right Here. Take a Right Here. And uh, I'm going to pray and I'm going to believe that God will come and speak to us tonight and encourage us through the word. Amen. Let's bow our heads and pray. Father, thank you so much for our church. Thank you so much for our city. Thank you so much for the Lakers. God, thank you for everything that you're doing that we can't see, that we don't know about yet. We say yes and amen to your will and to your ways. We receive from you today. Thank you, God, that you love us and you're for us. You're with us. God, thank you so much that your hand is on our life. You are working things on our behalf. We love you today. And God, with our heads bowed, and our eyes closed, we are thanking you for the gift of coffee. We vow to consume much of it, for truly it is a gift from above. We make this declaration as a community and individually to drink more coffee. We love you so much in Jesus' name, and we all said together. Come on, if you got a little bit of faith, say amen. 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 Um, there are just, there's a few things in life that would just make you crazy. There's a few things in life that's just like, ah, I just want to die. This is the worst. There's a few things, there's just a few things that are just the absolute worst. One of them is when you lose something, can I get amen? It is the worst to lose something. It is the worst to be hangry. Let me get a witness if you hate being hangry. Being hangry is the worst because I've lost all self-control. I am no longer a Christian. I lost, I lost my religion somewhere between hunger and angry, and I'm hangry, and I've lost my religion. Is the worst. But above all those things, the worst, 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 worst is being lost. Can I get a witness? Just when you are lost yourself, I hate the feeling of being lost. It isn't the worst that's ever happened to you when you like punch in an address, you're going somewhere, you put it in your phone, but for some reason you don't have the right reception and the phone's loading and trying to show where you're at and where the destination is at and you're having to kind of guess for a little bit. Has this ever happened to you? This is the absolute worst. And like everybody in the car is trying and then everybody else is like, oh my gosh, I don't have service. It's just the worst. Just everybody's just upset. If you're hangry, this is an awful situation. If you've lost a lover or something, this is really, really bad. This is just, it's the worst. And this last week we were in San Diego, me and my wife and kids, and, and we were down there and we're, we're trying to find my little sister's house. Now my wife, she puts in her phone when we get close to the place, she thinks she knows where it's at. It's loading, but it's not coming up. So she's like, it's all right. I know where we're going. So she starts to kind of guess where we're going. And she's trying to guess by landmark. She's trying to guess, I think this street name. This becomes like, I always feel like when we're lost, I'm okay for the first five minutes. I've got a five-minute grace period. First five minutes, I'm like, <laughs> this is fine. This is totally fine. I'm not, I'm not mad. I'm not even mad. After five minutes, I things change internally. And so we're trying to find like her house. It's still not loading. I'm trying my phone now. And we're, we keep taking a left. We keep taking a left. It's just like a left. It's just the worst. And it ended up being, we took a left when, when, when we should have taken a right. There's something about taking a right, getting on the right path, going down the right lane, getting on the right freeway. I want to talk today about taking a right here. And what I mean by that is that maybe some of you have been on a detour. Maybe some of you have been lost in life. Today, what I believe what God wants to say is let's just all take a right to get right with God and go on the right path. And let's not do it later after frustration and headache and turmoil and devastation, let's do it right now here. 
take a right here. Jesus says to these guys, he goes, okay, guys, I'm going to go up. But before I do, I want you to go out there and make, not fans, but make what? Followers. I want you to make followers, wholehearted, committed followers of Jesus. By the way, if you are part of Zoe Church, we are not interested in you being a fan of the music or fan of the preaching or fan of our coffee, which is, the coffee's awesome. But, but hopefully there's something inside of you that says, I want to follow Jesus. I, I just think he's good enough to follow. And he says, go therefore and make disciples and, and baptize them and teach them and, and, and teach them the right way. Teach them the right gospel. This is directly after Jesus came into the holy city of Jerusalem. He was betrayed by a man named Judas Iscariot. He was literally dragged in front of guys like Pontius Pilate and they berated him and they accused him. And after berating him and accused him, they beat him. They brought him to the place of Golgotha. They hung him on the cross. He died for the sins of the world, both past, present, and future. He would go down to the grave, but our God only stayed there for three days. Anybody believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ? And he got up from the grave and for 40 days, he spends with the disciples teaching them this right gospel, teaching them the gospel of grace, teaching them what this means, his death and his, and his resurrection. What does this imply? You know, it's so important that you learn the gospel of grace. And Paul, the apostle, he writes to this beautiful church in Galatia. It's a city. And he writes to Galatia. He says, you know what? I don't know who took you over here in following a different gospel because you used to be on the right path on the gospel of grace. Watch what he says in Galatians chapter one. And it's gonna come on the screens. He said, I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. He's saying this gospel, this cause and effect gospel, this religious gospel, this law-based gospel, this fear gospel, that's not the gospel of Jesus because the gospel of grace is the gospel of God. Come on, anybody thankful today for the gospel of Jesus Christ? He is grace. Come on, grace is not a principle. Grace is a person. Don't give him a little golf clap if you agree. Come on, anybody believe in Jesus today? Just teach them right. Take a right here. And I think what Jesus is saying is it's so important that with people out there and for you and I, that we believe right. Can I tell you, number one, I'm gonna give you a few thoughts today to write down and encourage you, but write down number one, it all starts with believing right. It all starts with right believing. You know, right believing, it from this premise, it determines everything. That you believe the right things. Don't believe, please, don't believe the detour things. Don't believe the wrong things. Just let's believe the right things about Jesus. I believe that Jesus died for our sins. I believe that Jesus forgives me of all my sins. I believe that Jesus loves me no matter what I do. I believe that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I believe that Jesus, as he came once, he's coming again. I believe that Jesus will rule and reign forevermore. I believe that Jesus today is seated at the right hand of the Father and right now he's praying for us and he's praying for the Lakers. I believe in Jesus. You gotta believe right. It all begins with right believing. You gotta believe. The, if you believe the wrong thing, you'll live a wrong life. If you believe the wrong thing, you'll see God wrong. But if you believe the right thing, it will lead you down the right path. A grace path. 
a righteous path. Oh, I love Romans chapter four and watch what the apostle Paul talks about right believing. And he literally lays out what our belief about Jesus is. Just read along here in Romans chapter four and just, let me just teach you something this morning. But to him who does not work, but to him who does not work. Now, if you don't have a job today, we're gonna believe for a job. But it's not talking about like work at your workplace. It's not talking about work like I've got a nine to five or I'm on salary. But watch what it says. But to him who does not work, but believes on him who justifies the ungodly. Who is the ungodly? Me and you. But to him who does not work, but believes on him who justifies the ungodly. His faith is accounted for righteousness. Watch this next one. Just as David also describes the blessedness of the man to whom God imputes righteousness apart from works. That word imputes. Man, you come to church. Y'all use some big words. Impute. What is impute? Impute quite simply means accounted to your account or credited to your account. The Bible's saying that God, through Jesus, he imputed to us righteousness through the life and the death of Jesus Christ. And because he put to our account righteousness, the only way that that could happen is because Jesus, when he died for the sins of the world on the cross, what was imputed to him was the wrath and the judgment of God. So Jesus took all of our punishment, all of our shame, all of our condemnation, all of the wrath of God, all of that was imputed into Jesus on the cross at Calvary. But what we got, we did not get the wrath. We did not get the anger. We got imputed righteousness. Come on, anybody thankful today that we can believe that our righteousness is not of our own, but it's a gift of Jesus. Come on, somebody say amen. It's not from works. You can't earn righteousness. You have the position of righteousness because righteousness has been put on your account by the grace of Jesus Christ. That's right believing. I believe I'm righteous. I believe I'm called. I believe I'm sanctified. I believe I am who I am by the grace of God. I believe that God is for me. I believe that God loves me. I believe God's working on my behalf. I believe I got favor. I believe I'm blessed. Come on, anybody believe the right things today? It all stems from your belief. You got to believe right before you try and live right. Then I have a friend in Australia and he told me this beautiful story. He said his, his daughter, he has twin kids and his daughters were given an assignment in school. And they said in, in the classroom, they said, we want you to draw a face of your dad. Both two girls draw a picture of your of your of your father. So this kid he sits down and these two girls they sit down and they draw of the face of their father and they bring it home. And the mom when she saw it she elbowed the dad she goes hey way to go, look at that. And both of the girls had drawn drawn a picture of their dad smiling. That was the image that they had of their father. That was the first impression was dad smiles. Can I tell you, you have to believe the right things about Jesus. If you think Jesus is mad at you, Jesus is out to get you. If Jesus is, he's so upset with you, then you will always be afraid and you will always stay away. But if you believe that righteousness has been accredited to your account and you believe that Jesus loves you, come on, am I preaching to anybody who believes the right stuff about the gospel of grace? It starts with believing right. You got to get belief right. I believe Jesus loves me. He died for my sins. He rose from the grave. He's still alive. He gave me the spirit of Jesus, which is the Holy Spirit. I believe and right believing. Can I tell you that leads to right behaving? 
But it don't, you know, I grew up in church and some of you maybe grew up in church and it used to be, I always felt this way. I don't know about you, but if you're growing up in church, it used to feel like it was all about behavior. Get your behavior right and then we're going to get your beliefs right. But first you got to, you got to clean up. Yo, you smell, you smell like cigarettes, you smell like alcohol, you smell real bad. Yo, you start, you, you do bad, you say bad, you cuss, you do God. You, let's get your, let's get you cleaned up and Sunday ready. Let's get you all your behavior right and your language right and all that. And then we'll get your belief right. No, Jesus says, get your belief right and then you'll behave right. Jesus is more concerned with who you are than who you're becoming. He might say, well, I don't know how righteousness. Yeah, that's the thing about righteousness is that you and I in Jesus, we get the position of righteousness, but we are yet to learn the practice of righteousness. So positionally, I'm righteous. Practice behavior, I'm still learning how to act. I'm still learning how to respond. I'm still learning. I, I, I first deal, Jesus loves me, he's for me. And out of his love for me, then that what's, that's what motivates me to say no to the bad stuff and yes to the right stuff. This is what motivates me to walk with God. I love this verse in 1 John. 1 John, I'm telling you, this is one of the greatest revelations of the love of God in all of the Bible. Watch what it says here. It says, do not love the world or Coachella, or the things. That's why we're no cella, come on. No cella, no problem, what? Do not love the world, or the things. I'm kidding, if you went to Coachella, I'm jealous. <laughs> Do not love the world, or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. What's the Bible? I used to read that and go like, oh man, you love the world. You're so bad, you're so awful. You love the world, what's wrong with you? You love the world. Coachella, Coachella, Coachella. Do not love the world. What's it saying? If someone loves the world, all that it's saying is that the love of Father has not yet come in them. Because when you get the love of the Father in you, you don't even want to love that stuff. You only want to love Jesus. Do not love the, the world or the things of the world because the person that loves the world has yet to taste real love. God love, agape love, the grace of Jesus. You, you start to understand, whoo, he loves me. Ephesians chapter 3. And we're just going to continue on with the love of God. Watch what Paul says. He says that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you being rooted and grounded in love. Watch what it says. May be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and the length and the depth and the height. And may be able to go to the next one. To know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. The only reason why I want to know the love of God and want to follow God and get my life right is because I believe he loves me. So it changes the way that I live. It changes the way that I, I I'm, I'm not the same that I used to be. I don't cuss like I used to cuss. I don't think like I used to think. I'm not as mean as I used to be. I don't want to do that stuff. The love of God got on inside and now I want to live for Jesus. Am I preaching to anybody who's had a revelation of the love of the Father? Give them a little bit of excitement if you believe that God loves you. But it starts here. It all starts with right believing and then it just changed to right behaving. It, 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 my son, I have a two-year-old son. Please pray for his salvation. And my two-year-old right now, anybody that has a two-year-old knows that one of my biggest pet peeves is to take my son to a restaurant. 
Because any parent knows when you walk into a restaurant with your kids, you have a 45-minute sand glass that just begins to tick right the moment you walk in to the restaurant. 45 minutes, this thing, ding, done. 45 minutes. And right now we're teaching our son, you know, table manners. So last night we sat down as a family to eat dinner together. We sit down as a family, we eat dinner. My son takes a bite and he runs. And then, and then we bring him back and he takes another bite and he runs. And, and, and I just, I don't eat food, I just chase him. And I'm trying to teach him right now, I wanna strap him back up, you know? And I'm trying to teach him right now, you know, table etiquettes. We don't throw rice at daddy. <laughs> we eat rice. <laughs> He's just learning behavior. You ever meet someone with odd behavior? Stop pointing at me. Don't make it about me. I'm talking about people out there. Just odd behavior. Just weird. Just where did you learn that? Like, why do you do that? That is an interesting response to this situation. I find so many people to have the weirdest behavior when it comes to God because they believe the wrong things about him so it will cause the wrong behavior when it comes to him. Your behavior doesn't cause God to love you more. God's love caused your behavior to change more. It's the love of God that is rooted and grounded and, and the width and the depth and the, the height of it that causes, I, I want to behave like Jesus. I want to change the way that I act. I've been saved by the blood of the Lamb and it affects and changes the way that I live my life. Right believing produces right living. And when you start to get your belief right about who Jesus is and, and it changes the way you behave, the last one is that you start to become who God has called you to be. You start to tap into your God-given potential. You start to change. And when God starts to, well, this is the best part, becoming, becoming a follower, becoming a Christian, becoming who God has called you. The becoming part is my favorite part. This is, I, I love believing, believe, woo, and behaving. I'm just changing my behavior. That's awesome. But I want to become. Becoming is the best part. Becoming is, is listen, if you're, if you're a Christian, you've been around church, please, please hear me. There is no arrival in this religion. There is no, there's no such thing as like, I've done all the next steps. There's always a next step with God. There's more trust and more belief and more receiving and more understanding. And the Holy Spirit and Jesus himself comes in and begins to change you. And mold. the Bible says he is the potter and we are the clay. And God just starts to mold you. And what's he making over here? What's, what are you becoming? Are you becoming like your parents? Thank God, no. Are you becoming like your pastors? No, don't rip your jeans. Are you what are you becoming like? You're becoming like Jesus. Watch what the Bible says. It says we are all being changed from glory to glory into the very image. But we all with unveiled face beholding as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord are being transformed. Come on, transformers more than meets the eye are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. Just as the spirit of the Lord, you're being changed from glory to glory. You're becoming more like Jesus. Glory to glory. There was a glory last year. There's a new glory this year. There's a glory three months ago. It's a new glory now. It's a glory to glory to glory. I was, I was on the East Coast this last week in Virginia Beach, and someone was asking me my, my oh, shout out to Virginia Beach, Sugarfoot. And, um, and someone, someone, someone asked me my story. They go, what's your story? What's your story? What's your, what, hey, what's your story? 
your mom. And, um, but they said, what's your story? So I just began to tell them. I said, I've, I've, I, as a young man, I had two glories, two moments, two life changers. 16 years old, I'm a sophomore in high school. I'm on the 300 level at the kingdom. And they're singing a song and something, I feel something. I, something happens to me. Surrender my life to Jesus. 19 years old, I'm in a car and we're driving to Big Bear and we're listening to a cassette tape. If you don't know what that is, Google it. And um, we're in a car and we're driving and we're going up this hill and God speaks, the glory comes in the car. And more and more being changed into the image of Jesus. God is not at work in your life to fix your behavior. Don't behave that way. Stop behaving that. Your behavior's wrong. No, he's in your life with the Holy Spirit at work in you, teaching you how to follow and teaching you how to become like Jesus. So you're kind like Jesus and, and you've got self-control like Jesus and you look like Jesus and you're generous like Jesus and you live to serve people like Jesus. I don't know about you, but I just say, if that's the standard, if that's the mark, Jesus, please come and help me to be more like you. In Romans chapter 12, verse two, it says, do not be conformed to the patterns of this world. The pattern of this world is, you know, the world standards, you know, the way the world treats people and the way the world thinks about money and the way that the world, come on, we don't have the love of the world anymore because we have the love of the father in us. It says do not, and do not conform, do not be conformed to this world or other translations say the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Where does your mind get renewed? Can I encourage you today? That's why we read the B-I-B-L-E, the Bible. And the Bible begins to transform our thinking. I get my mind renewed. And I don't listen to what the world says about me. I listen to what God says about me. And God begins to say, no, no. And I, all of a sudden, I believe more about what God says. God says, I'm called. God says, I'm forgiven. God says, I have a destiny. God says, he has a plan. God says, I'm righteous. God says, I'm the head. God says, I'm a conqueror. God says, I can do all things through Christ. And my mind starts getting renewed, come on, by the power of the authority of the scriptures. And what God says, you need, you need the authority of Jesus and the authority of God's word in your life for you to become who you're supposed to become. And I will say to many of you, please hear me. You have to become who you're supposed to become before you can do what you're supposed to do. Many of us think, oh, just, I believe, I believe, so I'm good, I'm good. No, Jesus said, no, I'm gonna work on your behavior and I'm gonna change you so you look more like me and I'm telling you, you are never gonna arrive. I'm just gonna keep on working and I'm gonna keep on solidifying what you believe. I'm gonna keep on solidifying how this adjustment here and I'm gonna, come on, anybody thankful today that God, he who has begun a good work in your life, come on, anybody believe today he's gonna be faithful to complete it. Oh, come on, Zoe, this is the 1230, it's not the 10 o'clock. Come on, if you believe it, just a little bit of noise and gratitude. I'm going to invite the worship team to come right now, but I want to say to you out loud, please hear me as your pastor, take a right here. Take a right here. Stop detouring, going, he loves me. He loves me not. I'm, I'm, I'm in. No, I'm out. I say to you in the name of Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit, take a right right 
here. I was in an Uber this week and the guy was very upset with me because I wouldn't give him the exact address of where I was going. I said, don't worry, I'll tell you where I'm going. He said, tell me the address. I said, I'll tell you where I'm going. Said, Just trust me, I'll, 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 I'll lead you. He said, all right. Take a left here. Take a right here. Take a right here. Let him all the way. And I said, stop right here. It's good, right here. I'm good. I thought, isn't that amazing? If you just surrender your life over to God, God would just say, no, 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 no. Don't go there. Go here. Don't, 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 don't do that. I got something better. I'm, I'm in control. Trust me. Because when you believe the right things about Jesus, he loves you. He forgives you. He is for you. He is with you. You are called. You are destined to reign. This is the gospel of grace. Don't you get down to another gospel that is fruitless and devastating and leads to destruction and religion and law. This is the gospel of grace. It's the gospel of God. You get right believing. It's just your behavior. It's just like, huh, I don't even want to behave like that. I hated my old self. I hated how angry I was and hated how just I was a temper and I got issues and addictions and I'm, I don't want to be that person. Well, why don't you want to be that person? Because the love of God came in my life. I want to, I want to be like Jesus. So I'm becoming more and more like him. I think about Peter, you know. First time Peter encounters Jesus, he's on a, he's on a boat. He's on a boat fishing, doesn't know Jesus. He's fishing and Jesus is 30 years old, you know, back in the day. He sees Peter and he says, come, follow me and I'll make you a fisher of men. Peter gets out the boat. He leaves his business and his nets and he follows Jesus. The first time that Peter follows Jesus, he follows Jesus because of his holiness. He's so mesmerized by the holiness of God that I don't know who that is, but that's somebody and I got to follow. He didn't know Jesus' name. He didn't know the pedigree. He didn't know the calling. He didn't know where it was going to go. For three years, Peter follows Jesus. And many of you know, if you read the Bible, and at the end of three years, when Jesus goes and dies for the sins and goes to the grave, Peter falls. Bad behavior. Bounces out on him. But Jesus dies for the sins of the world, rises from the grave, and goes looking for Peter. He's on a boat again. Second time he's on a boat. This time he's on a boat after failure, mistake, devastation. He's fishing. Jesus calls a second time. He says, hey guys, cast your nets on the right side, right in typology, right is always right with God. Cast your nets on the right side. John, John called it right away. John looks at Peter. He goes, you know who that is, right? It's him. It's Jesus. The second time Jesus hears, Peter hears Jesus on the boat, he jumps out of the boat into the water, swims to the shore. It was holiness that brought him the first time. But I'm telling you, the love of God drew him the second time. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful today that I can take a right because God loves me. I can take a right because of grace. I can take a right because I'm called. I can take a right because I know that he's for me and I know that he loves me and I know that he's with me. Come on, anybody willing today to take a right? 
Thanks for tuning in to this week's podcast. We hope you are inspired and encouraged by the message. To get more information about Zoe Church, check out our website, www.zoechurch.org, or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and the newly added Snapchat under the handle Zoe Church LA. Have a blessed day.